Rob World. It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. It's free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you Monday through Friday. So make it your first listen and tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers your team every day. In today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about Damian Lillard's comments over the weekend. He was on a podcast with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein and talked to about a myriad of topics, including how he'll approach the second half of the Blazers' season. I want to talk about Dame's response there and kind of where the Blazers find themselves and what, what one listener called a new paradigm post-All-Star break and post-Anthony Simon's injury. What, what exactly should they do and does that align with, quite frankly, Dame's wishes or Dame's understanding of, of where the franchise is at and where they want to be? And then I want to close the show talking about my, some of my favorite underrated Damian Lillard moments. This is a Dame-heavy uh, Dame heavy show today. Um, it's just, it just kind of how it, it happens. Um, we're still appreciating a great weekend for Damian Lillard at all, in, in Salt Lake City, and we're, uh, we are talking Dame-heavy in today's episode. Uh, he was on a podcast. Let, let's start there, and then we'll, we'll, then we'll talk sort of um, the new paradigm and close the show with some, some fun moments. But Dame talked about that. Uh, Dame was on a on a podcast over the weekend. Uh, it was released today, Monday, February twentieth. You are listening to a Tuesday, February twenty first show, but it was released today on Monday, February twentieth. It was with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein. It's their new podcast called Hashtag This League Uncut. This League Uncut. It is. Um, it's like a it, you know two NBA insiders uh, giving you some. Mostly, it's been exclusive interviews and a little bit of um, um, some some news that you don't get from where they break news and in the other places that they do so. Stein on his Substack, and uh, Chris Haynes for Bleacher Report, as well as the Turner family of television pro- products. The interview is not super long; it's like the same length of this podcast, like twenty five minutes. Uh, and Dame talks about some of it is like the stereotypical uh, sort of this time of year stuff, what it means to make an all-star game. He does talk about loyalty to Portland, which is just like maybe le- maybe le- legally you have to do that. I don't know. Maybe national podcasts legally have to do that. But the part that I found interesting, there's two parts I found interesting. One, he talks a little bit about the Gary Payton trade from his um, perspective. And he says he wasn't aware that that trade was going to happen. In fact, him and Gary Payton were on the training table together when when Payton got the call in. Um, it's unclear whether he got the call from his agent or from um, or from the Blazers front office. But he, you know, he leaves and, and finds out it's going to happen. And then what Dame says is he's mostly mad about or mostly frustrated by that. It's not kind of... GP leaving or all those things like he said he was frustrated that Gary Payton left because he's going to make the Warriors better but but the implication that it was that the Blazers training staff was um being irresponsible uh, and I think there's been he notes there's been some sort of pushback on the level of, of irresponsibility from from the local media we got like um uh you know it was it was a whole saga that we don't that we don't need to relitigate at this point um I found that a little bit interesting is that what Damian Lord, it's like the kind of guy he is, is that he was like, what I don't like is like people coming for Jeff Clark, the, the head of the athletic training department. It's like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't like them coming for my boy Clarky. Uh, Jeff Clark's been with the organization forever. Um, he's the last remaining dude from the traveling party when the Blazers made the Western Conference finals in 2000. Um, Dude's legend. Of course, Dame is going to stick up for Blazers legends. He he's as a Blazers legend legend himself. He's gonna he's gonna ride for his guys. That's the bro code. Uh, to quote a certain rapper from New York City, uh, it's um, 
yeah, I, I don't think that was particularly groundbreaking or um, earth-shattering stuff, but it was interesting to see what rattled Dame a little bit, and I'm glad they asked him specifically about that because it did seem that Dame was frustrated with that situation just from um, an outsider's perspective. So to get his perspective from two NBA insiders, good good stuff. Um, but he, you know, he didn't say like. <laughs> He wasn't like, yeah, GP can kick rocks. Um, and my last thought on this is like, he, Gary Payne's out for a month. Of course, if one team says he's out for a month and the other team says he could play the night before he got traded, there's going to be beef. That's what, that's how how we got here. The interesting part of the Dame interview isn't the GP stuff to me. I, I don't think GP stuff is like bad, but 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 it wasn't. Um, the interesting stuff to me here is there there is Haynes asked Dame specifically about like your team's in twelfth place. What are you going to do? Like, how do you approach the second half? And Dame answers in the sort of specific Damian Lord way you would expect. He says, I'm gonna, I'm going to, you know, soldier up and do what I always do and try to make it happen. Handle it how I handle it. And then he adds another line that I think is telling. I will say this interview took place prior to um, uh, all-star practice while Dame was in Salt Lake City. And my man sounds tired. It sounds like he did too many. He had to do too many TSO events and just like running around Salt Lake City and just like um, you have a lot of brand responsibilities if you are a superstar of Dame's caliber. Like I don't think Lowry Markkinen has this type of uh, responsibility. I don't think Julius Randle has these type of responsibilities. Dame has a lot of responsibilities. He sounded my my man my man sounded tired on the phone. Uh but he says that he is he understands what the team wants to do and what the team is trying to do. He said he said the words I understand it a couple times. And without reading too deeply into this kind of just thoughtful response to a question. Dame gives long-winded answers. He shares his feelings. Like, he's really good with media types. Him and Chris Haynes, obviously, are really close. Like, um, it's... Uh, I don't want to... I don't want to put words into Damian Lord's mouth that he did not say. So what I will be clear here is saying, this is my inference based on what he said, is that Dame realizes that the team might be comfortable missing the playoffs because it sets them up to acquire the draft capital to make a big trade in the summertime, and he gets that that is maybe best for the health of the franchise in the near and long term, or at least like in the near and middle term, and that he he gets that that's the way it works and even has probably been consulted about that's the, the that's their plan certainly Damon Lord has a plenty of say in how this works um but as a competitor as the dude he is that's not what he wants to do he wants to go try to win games like he talked about like you know if if the way the west works is like you win three in a row you might jump up to fifth for the night you lose two in a row you might be back out where they are in 12th and he feels like the west is bunched up and the team just hasn't taken care of business and and he you know he he owned up to their struggles but said like it's not like you know he can look at the standings and know that if he handles it how he thinks he can handle it that they can get where they want to go he also lamented the fact that it's like, if we do end up fourth or fifth and do make the playoffs, are we capable of winning once we get there? And that is what would bother him, is that you make this push, you make this play, and then you get there and you get, you know, you get summarily sent home by a team that's more competitive than you, that that would sit with him poorly. And it's like, man, we're not where we want to be. And and and, and Haynes is not is acknowledged as much. It's like the Blazers just aren't talented enough to like be one of the teams that's really going to be a playoff threat. And, and, and I thought Dame handled that 
Um, I thought Dame's discussion of that was interesting and worth listening to. Uh, available wherever you get podcasts. I'm, I don't think it's on um, YouTube, but available wherever you get podcasts. Uh, hashtag this league uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein. That's worth listening to. It reminded me of comments from Joe Cronin after Media Day. And reminded me of, uh, of an email I got this afternoon from longtime listener Dr. J, who asked about the Blazers' sort of new paradigm. Anthony Simons is hurt. They're in 12th place. They are, there are incentives for them to not make the playoffs because it'll help. And there's incentives for them to maybe make the playoffs because or is it, there's a reason that making the playoffs wouldn't be that bad because they got this other future, other 2023 first round pick from the Knicks. They're at a they're at a spot where they need to make some decisions. And it reminded me of Joe Cronin's comments after trade the trade deadline, where he seemed to indicate that he didn't want the team to tank. But it could happen. Let's talk about Dame's comments in light of Joe Cronin's comments and the new paradigm the Blazers find themselves in in the second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell y'all about FanDuel. It's the number one sports book in America. And here we are heading into second half of the NBA season. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel. That's your number one sports book app. It's, and it's for no other reason than because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's a bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to three pointers drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an, a sport, an official sports book betting partner of the NBA. All right. Let's let's talk about Dame's comments. He says he understands it. He understands it. He doesn't he 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 did not sound like someone that wanted to lose games on purpose and miss the playoffs. And I don't think the Blazers are going to do that. But he sounded like someone resigned to the fact that the Blazers are in a position where losing might help. And we've discussed this a bunch, but it's worth, let's just reiterate it real quick. The Blazers have a first round, a lottery protected first round pick over the Chicago Bulls. If the Blazers make the playoffs, they get out from under those what's owed to the Bulls. That pick will convey to Chicago and the Blazers will have all of their future first round picks back and ability to trade this summer and make a big splash. If the Blazers miss the playoffs, they're going to get something like the ninth pick in the NBA draft. Plus, Portland also acquired a 2023 lottery-protected pick. Same idea. Knicks make the playoffs. Goes to the Blazers. Uh, that belongs to the New York Knicks. The Knicks are almost certainly going to make the playoffs. They look like at least almost certainly going to make the playoffs as of right now, heading into heading into the the uh, the stretch run of the season post All-Star break. Second half, but the shorter half of the season. So Portland could be armed with two picks, uh, you know, nine and 20, 10 and 20, nine and 19, something like that. Or they could be armed with, uh, you know, if they make the playoffs, they could trade that Knicks pick to the Bulls and unprotect their future picks. Like the, the Bulls just like get a first round pick right away. Don't worry about, you know, you don't need to hold the Blazers hostage. You just need to like get a first round pick that's something like the 18th or 21st pick in the draft. That's what you're going to end up with anyways. From my perspective, the Bulls getting it in 2023 is just as valuable as them having it in the future in 2024. It's um, 
to, to me that to me the Blazers can get out from under those protections regardless of if they make the playoffs or not this year. It's just do they have to trade something to do so or do they naturally let it convey? But making the playoffs is easier said than done for the Blazers. Um, so like like the 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 position they find themselves in, and the Dame says like he's going to go for it, but he understands it is like it actually probably isn't too 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 different. Um, whether they make the playoffs or don't, I do think it's probably better if they miss the playoffs and end up with the ninth pick in the draft, trade that next pick, unprotect their picks. That's like the, that seems like to me, maximum trade stuff. Um, that would give them the maximum. I know I didn't want to say ammunition, but I'll say it maximum trade ammo. Um, it, it, like that seems to be, to me, that seems to be the Blazers best path forward in terms of like how to improve this team in the long haul, but missing the playoffs sucks and tanking sucks. But the Blazers are in a tough spot. They're 12th in the Western Conference right now, outside of even the play-in, much less the top eight seeds to get into the actual playoffs. Top 10 teams go. If you're ninth or 10th, you've got to win two play-in games to make the playoffs. It's a long journey. It's 24 games remaining the season. The Blazers are 28 and 30. They're not going to have Anthony Simons for at least a couple weeks and, and potentially longer after he sustained a pretty serious right ankle sprain, grade two ankle sprain. So it, you're not, you don't have your second best offensive player. You don't have like the dude who plays, who runs the offense when Damian Lord is out and you don't have great options for that without him in the game. Uh, so you're going to like, you're, the offense is probably going to be like the non-Dame offense is going to be worse. Um, even if Jeremy Grant goes nuts, like um, he's, he doesn't have the sort of creation tools that Ant does. Um, even as, as good as he's been when he's been asked to scale up, Ant, Jeremy Grant doesn't have that. The Blazers, though, in reality, are two games out of sixth place. Like, they're not that far away from getting out of the play-in tournament. However, they're also three games out of having the, away from having the six best lottery odds in the league. They are equidistant from making the playoffs and avoiding the play-in altogether and approaching the fifth best odds, you know, six best odds in the NBA to land, you know, franchise changer Victor Wembenyama. Even if I think like talking about winning the lottery is probably the irresponsible way to discuss draft picks just because it's relatively unlikely. We're talking like um, under 10% chance, but like just having a top 10 pick to me is more valuable. And it reminds me of what Joe Cronin said after the uh, after the trade deadline and when he spoke to the media. He, um, you know, he didn't know every, every time he hadn't been hurt yet. So it was like the the thinking was a little bit different. But Cronin said that he his goal for the rest of the season was to see guys compete, um, which is kind of like a canned response. And then when pushed, like, are you going to tank? He said he doesn't as currently constructed. You don't he doesn't see that happening. But, you know, guys get injured and things change. Um, it's the your thinking can change on that but as currently constructed he didn't anticipate that and to be clear i don't think the blazers are going to truly tank uh it's hard to if you have damian lord and he's planning to handle it how he handles it and he's hyper competitive and all that if he's on the court you're not going to convince him to sit out he's just not going to do that so if he's healthy and ready to go you can't really tank because he's just like good enough to keep you in half your games you know win basically win half your games i said to begin the year that damian lord is good for about 38 wins blazers might hit hit exactly that number um with him missing you know 15 or so games right in that range 12 i believe so far um it's so i think what um 
they're they're like they might miss the playoffs naturally, but they're probably not going to like careen down the standings. You know, there's some teams at the bottom, bottom, bottom of this league that like um, of the hashtag this league uncut that are you know like they're not going to catch San Antonio and Houston. Those are the truly terrible teams. But the Blazers could easily nestle themselves right behind the Los Angeles Lakers and finish with the third best, uh, third worst record in the West, uh, depending on what Utah does. But they've been competitive and frisky all year, and they still have some players that can get it done as well. Although none of them are as good as Damian Lillard. So it brings the Blazers to this strange point where I've kind of teased this idea before that I don't know what they should do. I kind of know what I think they should do now. If Cronin said they weren't constructed to, um, you know, pull the plug like they did last year, and you can't really do it without Dame, with Dame being healthy, um, you know, they're not going to just be able to, like, magically, you know, Yusuf Nurkic is likely to come back after the break at some point. Uh, Jeremy Grant's going to be healthy. Like, you just have too many vets that can be competitive um, without, like, really aggressively um, juicing the injury reports that you could, that you could get away, that you could, like, lose, you know, whatever the... 20 of you could go like four and 20 to close out the season and like really get down there in the in the brick for Vic land and the scoot for scoot land um it's it is so they're they're not going to be one of the terrible teams but they have been at it long enough to I think that if you're, you know, a listener to this podcast, you know that they're not, they're very unlikely to like make that charge and end up like four or five in the West. Like they're going to be a play in team if they're a team that chases the the playoffs. And it strikes me as this is sort of the new paradigm for this team. The, the, Maybe new reality is 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 a better word. the The paradigm is like that it doesn't matter if you miss the playoffs or not because they have this Knicks pick, right? Is like that that that's kind of changed the thinking, um, because one way or another you'll be able to trade with the Bulls or or give the give the give the Bulls what they need to get your picks back one way or another. Con- convey something to to Chicago to get your pick back and make big trades this summer because that's the goal, right? Have all your future picks and make a big trade. But it strikes me that. Damian Lillard says, we're going to go for it, but I understand the team has priorities. And uh, Joe Cronin says, as currently constructed, we wouldn't go for it. And we'll, you know, we'll have to revisit that down the line. Anthony Simons' injury changes the calculation a little bit because they're going to be worse. And they're just a little bit worse than they were to begin the year. Like they just like Matisse Thibault and Cameron Reddish are fun and interesting players. But Josh, Josh Hart's just like, uh, to me, more positive impact. Um, it's... We'll see when Yusuf Nurkic, Nurkic gets back and and um, what he can do and help prop up a defense that has really struggled over the last couple of weeks. Um, I, Nurk's not going to change the defense all that much, but he is going to help on that end to be sure. Um, and and we'll and I think I think what the real test is coming out of the break is how they play in those first you know six to eight games. If they're right at five hundred in those first six to eight games, then I think they just kind of putter along and go for it. If they go something like one in seven you know, one in five to open those first six, then you reconsider where are we in the standings? What's our reality and what do we do? And then you might start chasing ping pong balls versus playoff seeding. And I think that's the challenge for the Blazers is that there are elements of this team and Dame knows it, that like it is better if they lose, but he's not really wired that way. And they face a weird conundrum in the final 24 games about what does Dame want to do? And does does current Dame appreciate what future Dame needs, what, you know, October 2023 Dame needs in order to get out of his own way? Or is he just too competitive to like under, to like give in to that mindset? I think that is one of the interesting 
sort of subplots um, that both him and Cronin have. They have not touched maybe directly, but but parsing their words a little bit. Um, I, th I think you they both are considering that reality based on where the Blazers are. When you're the 12th best team in the West, you have to consider maybe we're not very good. It's just right there in the damn standings for you. Okay, to close the show, I want to talk about some Great Dame moments. I got a question from listener Jack who asked um, about some Great Dame moments that weren't the obvious ones. That's what we'll do to close the show. We'll have a little bit of fun down memory lane. Join me. We'll get a little nostalgic. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers. Let's get in the Wayback Machine. Let's, let's travel let's travel in the Wayback Machine and have a little fun with Damien Lord moments from the past. Listener Jack sent me a um, an email that that uh, was about the All Star Press All Star Media Day. It's just like people go to ask All Stars just like fun questions. It's not like this is not the place for hard hitting journalism. It's also like a media scrum where the players are like up high and you're down low. Um, I've only covered one All Star game and I I didn't care I didn't care for it and I did not ask my bosses to go back the following years. Um, one and done for your boy. That was good enough for me. Uh, it was. Um, it's not my preferred event, uh, but in any case, um, the the media days just like they ask fun stuff. And so someone asked Damian Lord, what was his like his favorite basket, favorite uh, that he had made um, in the NBA? And he said his first shot ever in his in his NBA debut. And Jack asked in sort of in the non-obvious, like not the point nine shot against Houston and not the bad shot where he waved by to the to the Oklahoma City Thunder and set them on the path to be a feisty competitive team in 2023. They can thank Damian Lillard for that. Uh, what are some of my favorite Dame moments? So I got three to close the show that, that um, I always will. I th these are the ones I think about when people are like, what are some Dame moments that people, you know, what are some off, off the beaten path? These are like immediately spring to mind. The first one is his debut. It might be an obvious one, but uh, I was hyped on Damian Lord in Summer League. Um, I was working for uh, a website in town, OregonLive.com. Uh, I'm not afraid to buzz market a former employer. Uh, I was working for a website in town and I would do some like little bloggy stuff about the Blazers. I would mostly cover high school sports and do things like that, but they would let me do a little bloggy stuff in the summertime covering the Blazers. And during summer league, I wrote a blog um, mentioning that Damian Lord had been favorably compared to Derek Rose by NBA scouts. And they came for your boy on the internet. Uh, this was like... Uh, you know, this was 2012. Twitter was a thing, but it was not um, ubiquitous like it is now. And they made fun, they made fun of me on the internet because I was a nobody who had written some sort of headline about Damian Lord being compared to Derrick Rose, who had just won an MVP and all of these things. Um, and and Dame had just thrown down a crazy dunk on Keith Benson in summer league, and it was like I was hyped. I was like, this dude is the truth. You know, he's the point guard of the future. He's he's the they've been searching for him since Damon Stoudemire left. Dame going to, you know, he's, he's the guy, the small school savior. I was watching the license to Lillard YouTube videos, watching Dame's workouts. I was fully, 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 fully in, but they were playing Kobe and Dwight Howard and Pau Gasol and the, and Steve Nash and the, this is going to be fun era Lakers. And Dame had 23 and 11 in his debut, 23 and 11. It was like, oh yeah, he's really good. <laughs> it was, it was, um, it wasn't like vindication. He's better than Derrick Rose, but it was like, yeah, the, the, like the little stupid blog post I wrote in July doesn't look as stupid now because 
Damien Lord is like on the biggest stage and he looks really stinking good. The Blazers win that game. Um, looking back at his box score, Damien had six turnovers. I do not recall that in my brain, but I remember him as being close to perfect. Six turnovers, one of four from three in that game. But 23 points, 11 assists. Like he was, he was great and he was great the moment he showed up. And it was like the the beginning of the you know you know unanimous rookie of the year or whatever it was rookie of the year except for one vote for Andre Bargnani or whatever it was uh it was um it, it was he was just really good it wasn't Bargnani it was somebody else though it was I forget who it was but Dame was one short of unanimous rookie of the year it was truly special um it was um it was that moment that first game was like okay this is this is going to be something very, 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 very special. My other two Dame moments that I always think about. One is in March of 2015. It's in LA. The Blazers were 40 and 18. The Clips are 40 and 21. This is like the height of the um, of the Lob City Clippers with Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan and and Blake Griffin and 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 this was a big basketball game. This was in March. Like this is like um, you know. You don't, this was playoff seating was on the line. It's clearly two of the best teams in the league. This is Dame and Wes and, and, um, and Wesley Matthews, Nicholas Batum, Robin Lopez, and LaMarcus Aldridge. Like this is, this is like the Dame in LA, height of the Dame in LA, the best, you know, the best team that, that Dame's ever played on that, that team. Um, and Dame sucked. <laughs> he was so bad. He was so bad. He was one of 13 from the floor. And he had five points and four assists. And he was just awful. And the Blazers win 98-93, a game that came down to game down to the final minutes. And and um and Nicholas Batum was great. 20 points, eight boards, seven assists. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge had 29 and six, and they hold off. They hold off a, a very good Clips team, a very very good Clips team. But I'll remember it because Damian Lord had 18 rebounds, career high in rebounds. I uh, I don't even have to look that up. I know his career. I know it's his career high in rebounds. I'm sure he'll. Ne- I'm fairly certain he'll never approach that again in a regulation game. Uh, he just. He was awful. He couldn't make shots. He couldn't get anything going. But in a, in a game that felt like a playoff game, on the road against the Clippers, against that version of the Clippers, Dame found a way to be really good by leading the team in rebounds with 18 boards. He crashed the glass. He was super aggressive. Like, um, when Dame was younger and CP was younger, Chris Paul would eat Dame's lunch. That is just a real deal. That's, that is, that is a truth. Um, so it was like, this was a, not a great matchup for Dame historically. Like he had had, you know, entering now his third NBA season at the time. It's like, he's had some times where Chris Paul was like, I am a hall of famer and you are a young guy in the league. And Dame was found a way to be special, an 18 rebound game in LA. I that is a game I will always remember as an underrated Damian Lord performance because five and four from Dame when he's when he makes one field goal is like, oh God, this dude, this is a nightmare. The Blazers have no chance. And he found a way to win by being impactful on the glass. 18 boards in LA in, in, in LA is is, is my uh, other great underrated Dame game. And then October 2016. This is um, early in the season, early in the season, the third game of the season for the Blazers, the home opener for for uh, the Denver Nuggets. Um, this is uh, the Nuggets aren't aren't themselves yet. <laughs> like they're not who they're going to be. That's like still Kenneth Freed, Emmanuel Moutier on the court. Right. But like 
they are starting to, um, you know, they're starting to have the, the outlines of, of what they're going to become. Like, no one who's on the roster now, either, but like, um, they were about to be competitive over the next couple seasons with this core group of Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari, and then kind of fi- figured out from there to, um, they were going to trade Yusuf Nurkic in a little bit. They were going to commit to starting uh, Nikola Jokic in like a month or so, uh, and like really lean into the this dude being the the franchise. But the Blazers were getting pounded in this game. This was like the uh, post Lamarcus. Um, you know, it's it's, uh, it's Damon, CJ, and Mason Plumley, uh, and and AC and Alan Crabb, and it's like. They're getting pounded. They're down eight with with 50 seconds left in regulation, and the Nuggets just absolutely melt down. Dame hits a three to cut it to five. They turn the ball over, and CJ McCollum gets a quick layup. He gets fouled and fighting for a rebound and scores. And the Blazers come back. Dame makes you know the the Blazers get another stop, forcing an ugly shot from Jokic at, um, on the Nuggets' last possession, and. Uh, you know, they need a two to tie. Dame gets himself to the rim and scores and forces overtime. And then in overtime, the Blazers find a way to come back and win this game. And the last play, Dame gets a switch. He gets isolated with Kenneth Freed on him. And, and Mason Plumley comes up to set a screen. And Dame says, no, 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 no. And waves him away, beats Freed to the spot, and hits like a 14-foot floater swish. Nothing but, nothing but twine. And the Blazers go on to win that game. Um... That one was, that one was one of those where it was like, you know, the legend of Dame and clutchness had already existed. He'd already hit the 0.9 shot at this point, but it was like early in the season. It was like, man, if he's going to do that and they're going to pull out these games in Denver, like with, um, you know, against a, a, a against a team that's kind of on the on a little bit on the rise, not projected to be not projected to be a playoff team at the time, but like a good young team in the Nuggets at the time. Um, it was it was a really special night, and I'll really remember it also because the Blazers were losing, and I'm writing my gamer or whatever. I was writing for the newspaper at the time, and uh, they go to overtime, and I just got to call my editor and be like you are not getting this for the newspaper because Dame and CJ were incredible down the stretch. And then Dame hits a game winner and I gave him like, um, you give inches in newspaper days, but I gave him a very short story to be like, here's what happened. Can you get it into the paper? And we made it in baby. We made it into the paper, uh, with like 250 words about, uh, Damon Lord hitting a game winner, maybe a little longer, but they didn't save me a bunch of space because we didn't think we were going to make it, but we did an incredibly special game. That was October of 2016. Those are my underrated Dame games. The 18 rebound game, that winner over Kenneth Fareed where they, where it was like should have lost down eight with 50 seconds left. And you find a way he hits, you know, scores five points in the final 50 seconds to get the Blazers there with, uh, with three from CJ along the way. Um, just, just some fun games. And this is to remind you, the mundane part of the NBA season can be incredibly fun. I think the regular season has taken a big sort of a big hit in terms of people's interest in it during the regular season. But I'm a basketball junkie. I'm a nerd. And so I love games in March and I love games in October. And that's what this show is. We're going to bring you the fun the rest of the season. The Blazers play 24 games. They got to decide which direction they're heading. Some of that will be decided by how they play. And guess who will cover how they play? We will right here at Lockdown Blazers. Tell your friends about it. Make it your first listen. Come back and hang out with us tomorrow. That's what we do five days a week, wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.